Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burr, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to it on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Apple, Spotify. Uh, download, rate, review, subscribe. Do everything you got to do there. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Plus, you get all the other content on the A to Z Sports Network. Again, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. At Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. At Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports. Twitter, Instagram. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach writes, everything that I write are unbelievable, invaluable, frankly, invaluable analysis that we provide here. Zach, exciting news. Tennessee back in a bowl game. Is it the Outback Bowl versus Penn State? Is it the Gator Bowl versus Wisconsin? Is it the Sugar Bowl? Is it the Music City Bowl versus Purdue? <laughs> Look, I'm grateful that Tennessee is back in a bowl game. Just at a first glance, this uh, this game doesn't thrill me. Can you talk me into it, Zach? Should I be excited about uh, the Music City Bowl versus Purdue? What's up, man? I mean, it's it's a bowl game, right? I mean, <laughs> that's about that the, only, that's the only selling point there is. It's very... A very lackluster opponent in Purdue, who is just in general, uh, they're they're one of those teams. It's kind of like the the New York Jets or, or the Kansas City Royals in baseball. They're just very bland and boring. Nobody really even knows where Purdue is. Everybody kind of has to guess at, <laughs> at what state Purdue's even in. It seems like. Um, I'm, it's not that exciting, but it's a bowl game. Uh, it's not the location people were hoping for not even apparently some of the players on the team we saw Javante Payton tweeting about uh how he wasn't that thrilled to go play in Nashville I think he played in the Music City Bowl with Mississippi State at some point maybe two years ago when when ironically enough Tennessee was supposed to play in the Music City Bowl and they were kind of confirmed by some reports to to have been playing Louisville and then they ended up going to Florida instead I think that's what a lot of us were kind of hoping for uh, yesterday, Sunday afternoon, as we're seeing the announcements roll in. We, we remembered from two years ago that you know, nothing's certain until the stool account or the, the bowl account tweets it out. And then sure enough, it, it was confirmed and it's Nashville. So, you know, it'll be like a second home game or another home game for, for Tennessee. I guess that's the good part here. It's... Uh- it's almost not even the matchup with Purdue. Like, yeah, it's not a name brand game. I, I wish that it would have been Penn State. I wish it would have been Wisconsin. Just bigger, more prominent programs with more powerful football programs. That would have just been nice. But really, I, I love I love Nashville. It's a very special place to me. The whole chunk of my family lives there. I was born in that beautiful city. Uh, I still uh, love it to death. I go there once a month I, at, at least like I just I mean it's the second home to me just a snooze just come on and I think it's probably that's probably a very similar situation if for most Tennessee fans if they don't live in Nashville <laughs> I think tons of Tennessee fans live there and then a lot of us that live here in Knoxville go there a ton so 
I mean, it just is kind of a snooze. I love Nashville, but I, I've had enough of going out to honky tonk bars at bachelorette parties. Like it just is, you know, we've been been there, done that. The uh, the last bowl game with Butch was the Music City Bowl, just a beatdown of Nebraska. And I mean, and then you get to the game. I, I don't want to say Tennessee should definitely blast Purdue, but I think Tennessee is already favored. Uh, mm-hmm. Even I think the early lines came out. I think Tennessee is already like a three point favorite. Wouldn't be surprised if that goes up, especially there was talk that I think Purdue's quarterback might not play, right? Um, I know one of their top receivers, I believe, is not playing. And a couple, it seemed like a couple of players there might not be playing for Purdue. Yeah. So you, you have kind of those factors in where that line could go up even more. And just Tennessee has a history of whipping Big Ten teams in bowl games. I guess you didn't whip Indiana, but you beat them, whipped Iowa, whipped Nebraska. Uh, you, Northwestern. No, yeah, with Northwestern. It just, it's kind of what Tennessee has done just in the, in the recent past. It's, it's disappointing. Uh, but at the same time, I can't be not grateful. That's the tough part. I go like, oh, that's, come on. We could have done better than Music City Bowl against Purdue. Like, don't do this to us. You even had, I think, Javante Payton tweeted out. He mm-hmm. was like, the Music City Bowl again with the, like, smirking face. Um and uh, so even the players aren't like that into it. But you got to just at the end of the day, you do have to be grateful. Hey, we're back in a ball game. We get to see Tennessee for another game. It means you won at least six games. Thankfully, Tennessee won seven. Um, and, and you can I think you can have all of those emotions at once. Be like, ah, that's a lame matchup. But also, hey, at least we're back in a bowl game. We get to watch Tennessee again. Yeah. At least it's not the Birmingham Bowl or like <laughs> that's <Shreveport> true or something. <laughs> that is very true. I, I'm I am I am grateful it's not the Liberty Bowl. I will say that. Don't make yeah. me go to Memphis, please. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I was hoping for the Belk Bowl initially or the Dukes Mayo Bowl. I'm sorry, initially agreed. Uh, and, and I was I was hoping. I mentioned it last week. I wanted to see him play Miami, which would be even more interesting now that Miami's kind of went crazy with their coaching search which we'll we'll touch on in a bit and i also would like to have seen the gator bowl because uh i have i have a lot of of friends that attended wake forest university uh friends that that are fans of the program it's a small football program but they've had a good year they lost the acc championship on saturday night and they're in the gator bowl against i believe texas a&m and it, it seemed like i think I think Tennessee was one slot below that this year. Texas A&M, you know, got the nod over Tennessee in that game. I would have loved to have seen Tennessee play Wake Forest and just put up like 75 points on that god-awful defense they have. That would have been fun for me on a personal level. So, yeah, the Music City Bowl was probably third on my list. But, you know, it's it's still a good thing for recruiting when it comes – I wrote about this a little bit. Most of these bowls probably aren't going to help you much in re- recruiting, but I think Nashville is the one that that kind of does because you're already that's that's one of your base areas that that you're going to have to recruit from that you're going to have to to own that area. Tennessee's missing a lot of kids from the Nashville area in recent years, so maybe this helps. It, it'll be a big event in Nashville. It'll be a week long event because there's so many Tennessee fans in the city already. It'll be a bigger deal than them playing in Tampa or Jacksonville or, or Charlotte, where you know it's just one day. This is a, this will kind of be like a week long event. I think. I think you'll see a lot of Tennessee fans, you know, just make a weekend out of it, make make a, a week out of it, maybe, and that'll make a bigger impact in recruiting. It it is great for out of state Tennessee fans. I, I will say that Nashville 
is again, I'm very biased here, but uh, it, it's a great destination to just come hang out. Uh, go away from Broadway. That's my <laughs> suggestion. If you come to Nashville and you maybe you haven't been before, that would surprise me if you're a Tennessee fan. I haven't been to Nashville, but um, avoid avoid Broadway. There's a lot of really, really good stuff in that city that's not on that dumb street. So, um, But you know, that's what everybody's going to default to. I mean, that's, always it, it's, it it's, never fails. Like to me, I of course I'm not like a club guy. I, big surprise if anybody seen me like in real life ever met me. Oh wow, I can't believe Charlie's not a club guy. Yeah, you, that's uh, a pretty easy assumption I think you could make about me. But it's you know it's fun to do once to to me uh, unless you are that big time party in the person. middle of the day. I'm not uh, even at night. I'm the same way. It's. It's a bit much. If you're going to do it, go in the middle of the day, have a few day drinks or something, see it, and then get out of there. And be like, hey, that's great. I don't need to go to a bar with Kid Rock's name on the side. Uh, <laughs> I think I can avoid that for the rest of my life. I'll be all right. Florida, oh, yeah. Florida Georgia yeah. Line has a bar. I think I will go as far away from there as possible. Uh, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I, I'll, I'll say go, go to this is my suggestion. Go to Patterson House if you want a damn fine cocktail. Uh, that's a Probably that's my favorite bar in all in Nashville. So there's just a little, little insider info for anybody going down there. Um, so uh, beyond that, um, that it, it's a great place to to go for anybody that's an out of state fan. So that's nice. And just I, I don't obviously we we can't get into the actual analysis of the game yet because we want to have content for <laughs> for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I, I think it's a fair matchup for Tennessee. I don't want to say that I think Tennessee won't struggle at all. Anything can happen in college football, but Purdue's had some decent, you know, games this year. I think they're eight and four. They lost to some good teams. Uh, Beat up Michigan State, right? Didn't they? Yes, yes. And then you know some of the other games were close. I think they did. They beat Iowa, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Could be wrong. Let's see. But you know, I mean, they've. They're a solid team. They're they're a they're a borderline right there, top twenty five, just outside the top twenty five type team, really. Yeah, um, which is probably they, their ceiling. They're probably as good as they're going to get under Jeff Brom. Uh, that's just another aspect of this game. If if you want to go back to the Tennessee's twenty seventeen coaching search, when for two hours we all thought Jeff Brom was about to be Tennessee's <laughs> next head coach, thanks to Jimmy Hyams' report. <laughs> uh. Oh man, good times. That that was he went he went on outside the lines on ESPN, which is so random. And that and said it, that it's even better because that clip is around and you see it. I saw it yesterday a couple of times once they announced that it was Purdue. And that's going to haunt him forever. He was so certain. Uh, uh, to this day, I'm not exactly sure what information he had or where where he had that information from, whose side that information came from because Jeff Brom, I, I believe said he never spoke with Tennessee, which, you know, nah, your agent can true. talk, your agent can talk and you can kind of have that plausible deniability. But I do wonder how close that came to happening. Uh, Cause that's, if he was that certain, uh, I mean, I can just say that the guy has been around yeah. for forever in a day at Tennessee. He's got good info. I don't know who he was hearing that from. They were wrong. <laughs> uh, obviously, but you know who I? It literally could have been like Curry. I, I almost wouldn't, or or someone just that's in the room. Even I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think Jimmy Times is that connected, and that person I think at some point was probably convinced that he was the guy. Because I just 
Himes is not going on ESPN to say that if if he's not if he hasn't right. heard something solid like that. Just my my estimation. Of, I I know a lot of people give give him a hard time. What he's a super nice guy. If you've met him in real life, I, and most I have, of the time he is correct. I know people have have got onto him like you said for a few little things here and there, but typically you know he what he puts out there is pretty solid. You usually you know like like him like him or not. I just my personal i worked around him for a few years down there and he's a nice guy but either way um so brahm that's a fun element i guess you you could throw that in there and be like hey you get to play the guy that maybe almost was tennessee's coach at one point there's a fun storyline do you think anyone will ask brahm about that leading up to the game they better they better that's all i know because i mean come on that there has to be although i mean who even in in the Tennessee media core, there's been a lot of turnover, I guess. All the guys You know Jimmy Hobbs not gonna ask him about yeah, it. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. And I'm trying to think the guys at two four seven might. Yeah. Like it's Wes has the audacity, I feel mm-hmm. like, maybe. Or uh I don't know, I think Volquest is kind of friendly with Himes. I, I'm not sure because I think they do stuff with the sports animal. But uh so I hope somebody does because I also just think a lot of new guys, like they wouldn't have been around even when that happened, even remember a lot of those. And that's such a small footnote to that whole crazy search. It's not even top 10 of the craziest things that happened. I I wish, I mean, I'll say this, if I was still in those rooms, I don't have that kind of access anymore because this is a a side gig at this point. But uh, man, I... I would be the one. I could tell you that much. We'll be on a uh, teleconference. Yeah. Well. Okay. So here's. I. I do know this. I believe we will have. It won't be me, but we will have somebody at the stadium. I want to say it might end up being Austin Stanley. Might be. Yeah. Don't, I'm sure know, somebody don't, will be there. Yeah. Don't quote sure. me on that. But I. So maybe we can. We'll talk to Austin. We'll get him. Yeah. There we go. He's dude. Uh, yeah. Austin's got that. They. Our, our our guys. Uh. They ask some tough questions of Rabel and all those those uh, coaches with the Titans. So I, I think they won't be afraid. So, with that said, uh, we can talk up that game all day long. That's pretty much our feelings on it. We will dive deeper into it in the coming uh, couple of weeks before the game actually happens to give you a preview of that. But let's talk about, I would say, the biggest news in college football's coaching carousel, man. Absolute insanity. Uh, I, I don't know if this is the craziest coaching carousel I can remember, but I know it is certainly way up there. Uh, just in terms of all of the the weirdness and the jobs that have come open, the multiple searches that were weird between LSU and especially now Miami, we can get into. Uh, but a lot of these uh, a lot of these programs have coaches now. Billy Napier at Florida, uh, it's Brian Kelly at LSU, who I believe that hadn't happened last time we talked, did it? Yeah, I believe that happened after we got done that night. Yeah, well, so we, you, you actually you you mentioned that they might be going after him. You had That's just right. seen something. <laughs> someone someone simply speculated that Brian Kelly. I don't know what we said about it. We need to go back there and, and listen. But somebody simply speculated that Brian Kelly was in the mix, and it turned out that that was the case. But let here, I I, I forgot. Let's let's get into this conversation, starting with Billy Napier. We didn't really give our take last week on. On Billy Napier, Florida, he has since everything's been made official. He has done a, a his first press conference as Florida's coach, obviously uh, perennial uh, opponent and arch rival for Tennessee and Billy Napier. And so we want to get into a little bit of the analysis of this guy. But let's start here 
with him. This is something that you posted this morning from his press conference. You posted this clip on Twitter. And this is, I, I, won't, I won't give too much uh, context here to start. Let's just have the, the Tennessee fans listening to this show. Listen to this. And, and I'll say this. I think this clip of Billy Napier speaking at his opening press conference will make you think of a couple of things. And I believe when we say this after, after the clip is over, you will go, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's going to make all Tennessee fans think about these things. So here, just who, who does this remind you of when you, uh, when you hear this clip of, of Billy Napier? We've got to sign around 25 players a year, right? Um, and I think that there's enough out there. Um, I think the important part here is that we uh, don't get consumed with the stars, you know, four-star, five-star. Uh, I think it's going to be more about evaluation, right? We're going to go through a very thorough evaluation process. Um, and I think the last thing we need to do here is, um, you know, make some mistakes. So, you know, we'll probably um, – you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't sign many at all, to be honest with you. Um, but there may be a few out there that are willing to jump in here in the last minute. But let me say this about that. I think that, um, you know, for me, I think it's important in recruiting that both sides um, understand each other. right? And if, um, so this guy, if I – am I hearing it this way, Zach? Like, do you concur? This dude is Jeremy Pruitt mixed with Butch Jones. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All in one package. Now, he may end up being a very solid coach for Florida. I do not know. We have not seen. But in this initial press conference, we got a little five-star hearts in there. We don't need to be thinking about <laughs> the stars. We just And then he's making excuses um, about, let, I don't think that we'll sign many. Let's get those expectations. And, and uh, you know. Fair enough. You want to temper expectations, probably, if you're him. Uh, but he, and then he also talks slow and is kind of. Uh, I don't know if he's as much of a of a slow plotting talker as Pruitt, but it, it a, that's not great. I don't think for for old Florida it, Napier there. Yeah, his his pace definitely reminded me of Pruitt. He, he was a little more well spoken. He didn't use the wrong verbs. <laughs> the, the, you know, but for whatever reason, I don't know why Napier chose to say these words during your introductory press conference because Dan Mullen was let go because of a lot of these same things. There was columns written about uh, about how Mullen didn't understand the Florida job. He he didn't really understand just how big the Florida job was. He didn't understand that everything he says or said was under a microscope. Like the recruiting comments that he made towards the end of his tenure when they really jumped all in on Mullen. And it was a little bit out of context what Mullen said. He didn't want to talk about recruiting during the season. But you just, you don't say it. You answer it like Kirby Smart said. Yeah, recruiting's important. We don't stop doing it. That's how you answer that. With Napier, I get what he's saying. None of these guys go off of what 24-7 sports rates these guys. They don't. But also, all the teams that get the four- and five-star players are the ones in the playoff every year. Those ratings, for the most part, do, do matter. They, mi- they, they miss on a few. There are a few diamonds in the rough, some two- and three-star players that 
end up being Pro Bowl players in the NFL. It does happen, but you're probably not going to sign 25 of those guys and then go win a championship. If you're Florida, especially you think back to the Urban Meyer days, the Steve Spurrier days, you are expected to land four-star and five-star players and compete with Georgia, compete with Alabama, compete with LSU, and be in the top five, top ten of the recruiting rankings. So in your introductory press conference, to, to go out there and say, don't worry about that, that's just a shocking lack of self-awareness there from Napier. And I do wonder how that's going to translate to the rest of his tenure there. Because if you miss that bid in the intro press conference, it's, it, the questions are only going to get tougher. Now, for the end of that, when he talks about we might not sign many guys right now, that I get. Uh, early signing period has really put new coaches at a disadvantage. You can't go sign. You can't go find a bunch of guys, a bunch of four and five star guys, a week before signing day and sign them during a coaching change. I don't think anybody expects that. That's that's fair. But to say don't worry about four and five star guys, that is that is a Butch Jones quote with a Jeremy Pruitt accent, and that's probably not a great sign for Florida. If if he ends up being a disaster, you know that that clip will come right back around. And people oh, will yeah. be playing it and being like, well, look what he said on the first day he showed up. I, you know, that's just the hazard that you walk into when you make a statement like that. It will chase you if you do not go beyond the tempered expectations that you're trying to set there. That's why I really... Personally, Tennessee has had both uh, recently kind of coaches that temper expectations and ones that sort of blow them up when they initially show up. Rick Barnes got here with basketball. He was like, we go to the, the NCAA tournament or we failed. Uh, you know, he in I'm saying that in a much shorter way than he did, but that was essentially his message. He was like, we're this an NCAA tournament uh, program. We're going to make it. And anything less than that is is not good enough. And in the first two seasons, he did not make the NCAA tournament and then in the third season he won the sec regular season so he he went he had those high expectations and then he went and kind of blew the doors off of him and and that was great that's awesome i love that that's what you have to do now you have to if you're going to be a guy that does that you got to deliver you know so there there is that part of it but I, i think this is way too far in the other direction where he is just trying to go like, look, guys, it's not going to be what you want it to be at first. And I just I don't think that's the tack that I would take personally. I really like like Hypel sort of stayed in the middle with his. He didn't blow it up, be like, we're going to win a national championship in three years or anything like that. Um, but he did go. That's the ultimate goal. That's where we want to be headed. That's what we want to do. And then he didn't make any excuses like, look, guys, if I don't sign a recruiting class, don't be mad at me. That just seems so ill-advised to say. And maybe he wasn't thinking about it at the time. I'm sure that answer was off the cuff. Um, I, I think if you had a media representative maybe like writing his opening statement, I just feel like there's no way they would have him say that. Um, well, it was in the question portion of it. So it was kind of that's right, off yeah. the cuff for sure. So I, I get a bad vibe from Napier for for Florida's sake and he just he feels like Jim McElwain will must champ and I felt that way when we were discussing him during the cert during Tennessee search when we thought he might be an option 
He was somebody that's like, yeah, he's had good results at Louisiana. He's built that in, uh, that program into a consistent winner. They've done some great things. But at, at this point, winning at the group of five level does nothing to impress me. We've seen too many of those coaches fail when they get to the power five level. There's really no w- good way to say what coach will or won't be successful at this point. Like I'm – or, or will have success. I, I've given up on that with, with the Scott Frost, Chip Kelly, some of these guys floundering and, and not doing well. There's nothing, I don't know. I, I, do, I just don't have a good vibe about Napier. I'm not saying that I think Tennessee's going to go out there and beat them four out of the next four years because we've seen Tennessee lose to some pretty bad Florida teams with some not great coaching. But I, I don't think he's going to be better than Dan Mullen. I, I still don't think Dan Mullen's a bad coach. I don't think he's a national championship winning coach necessarily, but I think he's what he did at Mississippi State. You cannot discount that. He he did pretty well his first few years at Florida. Things kind of went off the rails this year. I, I don't think he's a, a better coach than Mullen. I just don't. I think my, my prediction would be – I think it could take two paths. If he wins five games next year, he will ne- he'll be fired two years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that that means probably and hopefully you you got beat by Tennessee. I think there's potential if if Heupel, if enough if all the players we want to come back come back and Heupel gets good transfers from the portal. I mean, I think there's a chance you could like beat Florida's head in next year. Like, I think yeah. you could oh, really yeah. stick it to him. Um, just with the way that you play compared to the way that Billy Napier <laughs> plays, super run heavy. He, it's really kind of a Mark Stoops style. Mark Stoops a Kentucky style. And I don't know if that's what he'll bring to Florida. He may switch it up, but that's what now, he ran to Louisiana. That's the yes. evidence that I have. And that He's, kind of offense is pretty much what got him fired as the offensive coordinator at Clemson. And then Chad Morris yeah. came in and kind of revolutionized it. Exactly. So that that's the only evidence I I have. I think if you if you get blasted in that game, per se, you lose to Kentucky again. Oh, but they um, could lose to everybody but Vanderbilt in the East. Realistically, yeah. even Missouri. I mean, they lost to South Carolina. Even Missouri. You know, I think Missouri is kind of like Mississippi State in in the uh, West, where they're going to upset some teams here and there. They're going to give up a lot of points. They're, they're probably yeah yeah true wild card, and I could see them. Losing, I, I don't necessarily think that's what will happen, but it, it's possible for sure. I'm not sure so, who their SEC West opponent is next year, but any I of those either. teams should be able to beat them. But I, I just think if if he, lo- especially if he loses to Tennessee, because I think if he loses to Tennessee, it is just down, it's downhill from there for the rest of that mm-hmm. season. Kind of sets a tone that's not going to be good because that's that's, well, that's like Tennessee losing to Kentucky, right? Like you've said exactly a, a bunch, yeah. It, I, I just think you you go downhill from there. They probably only win five, maybe six games, and I, I just think it goes poorly. Now, if he has a, a seven plus win season next year, sets a nice foundation. Uh, I think he, he's probably at least we've all heard he's a he's a pretty good recruiter. Now Mario Cristobal coming to Miami kind of changes the equation there because Mario Cristobal is supposedly a, a really powerful recruiter and with ties to the state of Florida. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. But and so that makes it all the more challenging. Um, I think I think he could he could end up being there five six years and maybe win in the East a couple of times and then kind of unceremoniously getting fired like Mullen did. <laughs> uh, I I could just see that. I just 
at first blush, I mean, he is, he doesn't strike me like a Saban. He doesn't any, you know, there's not anything like that, that I just get those vibes off of him. I, but you know, nobody's Saban. Uh, so there is that, but I, I just think to me, maybe this is just me being hopeful because I want Florida's program to kind of go into the dumper for a little while, but it, it like, it just feels to me like I, I already said it. What did I say a couple weeks ago, they are one bad hire away from being out in the wilderness like Tennessee. I, I just think they're, they're on a razor's edge right now. And if they don't play these cards, right. I just, I could, I could see it going South and staying South. Cause if, if he goes badly, I mean, what is the level of hire that you would make without just throwing crazy? They're, they had to pay this. I, I, here's here's some analysis right here that I think says a lot. They're having to pay this guy seven and a half million dollars a year. I believe if I think seven to seven and a half million. That means they had to beg this dude to come. To and Florida. it was like their top target. I mean, they went right after him. Yeah. And they, they is- went after him. They went hard. And that's, I mean, if, if he goes down, t- Strickland is definitely going down. The AD, oh, yeah. he's definitely out. Um, it's why we say that uh, Tennessee really got lucky by hiring Josh Heupel because if you if you don't get Heupel, Tennessee's rolling with somebody like Tony Elliott or, or mm. whoever, you know, somebody even worse right now. So Tennessee was fortunate that Danny White was buddies with, with Heupel. Otherwise, I, I think even Heupel, without Danny White, looks at the Tennessee job as like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'll stay in Orlando for, for the time being. I mean, that's, that's why you hired Danny White, you know. One other thing with that Florida job, it kind of feels like you've got to have some some level of like swaggerness or just some some kind of attitude. I don't know how to really quantify that, but what Steve Spurrier had, what Urban Meyer had, just that kind of air about them. The coaches outside of them, Ron Zood, Muschamp, McIlwain, Napier, none of them have that same – charisma about them and it feels like at florida because let's be honest that program kind of flies by the seat of its pants at times when it comes to discipline issues and things like that and you've got to be willing to accept that and urban meyer definitely was and he won a couple of championships and then kind of burned it down on his way out but i don't know it's a hard it's a weird place florida gainesville in general is just a strange place and it's it takes a special type of coach to win there, and I don't think Billy Napier is that guy. I think he would have been much better suited for the LSU job, where you can recruit very easily, and it's he's familiar with Louisiana. It's a different type job. I think he would have been better off there. But you know, LSU, I think had Brian Kelly above him on their list. I mean, I, you just you just look at the guys that have succeeded at Florida, just cutthroat psychos like mm-hmm. urban meyer steve spurrier you know they're just yeah they'll they'll step on your child's neck to get where they want to go okay hey, yep uh, don't uh, yeah steve spurrier oh he's a funny grandpa let's you got to be honest about who steve spurrier is you know he didn't he's not one of the most successful college football coaches ever by being a super nice guy okay no nah, look he showed his character whenever he left south carolina yeah. in the middle of a season just because he exactly. was done you know and, and then you look at the guys that have succeeded at lsu it's basically everybody in the recent past. <laughs> they, Just go, yeah. You can be a Show bumbling up. idiot. <laughs> and uh, Orgeron was. Yeah, Ed Orgeron won a national championship. It just, it's, a lot of it is geographics there. You just get great talent from the state of Louisiana, and then you get, you're right there next to Texas, right there next to Alabama. They even get players from Florida and Georgia. Like, 
and the, the program sells itself with the fan base and everything. And Florida is just not not the same. Uh, they have been extremely successful and can be extremely successful, but it's just not the same. So first impression, I, I would say we'll see. I, I'm not, uh, I, I have one, one of my good friends, a Florida fan. He said that he, he was happy with the first press conference, but not, I don't know. He didn't sound necessarily impressed. I, I have to go back and look exactly what he texted us. But um, so I, Maybe they're not thrilled about it either, but we'll see. Now, beyond Napier, announced today, basically, as we're we're going to record this, uh, Mario Cristobal will be the coach at Miami, replacing Manny Diaz. And that throws a wrench in with Napier because Cristobal is supposedly a very good recruiter, and he's going to make that landscape even tougher for Napier. The way that... This is really talk for another podcast that might cover the ACC or something, but the way that whole thing went down at Miami is insane. Um, they basically just went over Manny Diaz's head completely, tried to hire Crystal Ball, and they went to Manny, went to Manny Diaz, supposedly, and said, if we get Mario Crystal Ball, you're fired. But if we don't, you're still the coach, and I hope that's okay, That right? Hey, you still have a job. Isn't that great? <laughs> I'm not- I'm it's not crazy. sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if they actually went to him or if they just floated that out there and he found that out that way. Because at first I was wondering, okay, is Manny Diaz in on this? Does he understand this this ship is sinking? And which he hadn't done terrible. I, I don't keep up with Miami. I mean, I know they're not top twenty five team, but it's not like he was. It, they, he had done okay there. It wasn't Miami's typical standards, but it wasn't just three and nine seasons either. But I, I thought maybe, okay, maybe he's in on this. Mario Cristobal from Miami, played at Miami. It makes all the sense in the world that he would end up at Miami. I think we all kind of expected that at some point, somehow, some way. Uh, but Manny Diaz released a statement that said he was very disappointed with the way everything unfolded, the way it impacted families and coaches. So he, he definitely was not on board with any of this. But Manny Diaz is not exactly, you know the greatest guy either he left temple hanging after 18 days of being their head coach a couple of years ago when mark rick resigned and he scrambled right back to miami after the early signing period after 17 or 18 players had signed with temple back before we had the transfer portal was so prevalent and we had the one transfer rule one time transfer so you know you can kind of say what goes around comes around perhaps I feel very similarly as far as this goes. I am not weeping for Manny Diaz. He gets an eight million dollar buyout. Yeah, he's gonna be just wipe fun. wipe your tears with your dollars, Manny. Okay, it'll be okay. I I do feel for the players in, in both of those scenarios. I absolutely feel for the players. They just get pulled and tugged around. You know, they all always they're the guys that at the end of the day are out there on the field playing. They don't get the money. They a lot of times they don't get the praise they deserve. And then in these situations, they just get totally screwed over, especially in a situation like at Temple, but pretty badly here at Miami, too. Well, to um, be fair, the Miami players are getting a better coach. I mean, I do think... Oh, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I, I don't I don't love the way Miami went about it, but I also I'm kind of glad it happened because it just adds to the lore of college football and just some of the, the stories that we've collected and watched over the years. It's, it's just another entry into... The bizarre. It's kind of like when Tommy Tuber- Tuberville uh, left Ole Miss to go to Auburn, and 
after he said they what did he say they had to drag you out in a pond box or something out of yeah. Oxford. So <laughs> you know, it just adds to that collection of stories. But it's, look, if you're Miami, do you blame them for wanting Mario Cristobal to be their head coach? I mean, he's no heck no. There are no sure things like we said, but he's he's done a really good job at Oregon. I I think he's he could be a really good coach at Miami. I think maybe he can get them to a winning level again to where, hey, maybe they are top 10, top 15 program at some point again. I think he definitely could. Uh, it, it's just this past week has been the perfect example of the two philosophies of college football admin. Now, actually, it's the craziest part of that whole deal in Miami. Or, well, actually, it might actually make since <laughs> they don't have an ad yeah uh, and it was really like donors spearheading all of that um, it was a message board thread literally come to life the whole thing seriously insane i mean i it's it's it right i would say i don't think it got as much publicity because it wasn't as sensational but it right i think in terms of dysfunction rivals tennessee's 2017 nonsense um although it's definitely not as bad and it has um, a pretty good outcome for Miami whereas Tennessee's outcome was yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I say rivals it's it's up yeah. there yeah. while Tennessee still holds the crown unfortunately um but it's it's two philosophies where it was Miami and the donors specifically going no more of this we're gonna spend big money now they <laughs> this is another crazy part of this whole thing. They said that one of the reasons the school had as much money as it did oh, yeah. is because the University of Miami Health System made a ton of money during the COVID pandemic. <laughs> so that's, think about that, whatever you want. There's a whole political conversation to be had there that we're definitely not getting into. Uh, but and yeah, we go from coaches like having to give back some of their salary to everybody who's paying <laughs> $20 million buyouts to... Gus Malzahn or yeah. Miles to Manny Diaz. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so crazy that we were having that conversation in early 2020. Where we were like, well, coaches might have to take pay cuts. Some did. Some even took pay cuts. And now I, I think I saw was his, uh, Ross Dellinger, one of those like national guys. He tweeted that uh, with, with this firing of Manny Diaz, we've eclipsed $100 million in buyout money. For this coaching carousel alone, $100 million. It's just schools trading money back and forth at this point. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. It's so, so crazy. And, and it obviously it solidifies and continues to show the fact that the greatest job on planet earth is being a fired college football coach. You get 8 million bucks. You just get to go sit on your butt and do do nothing you you already got your cushy mansion and everything just go hang out or be or you can be butch jones make thirty thousand dollars a year being saban's coffee boy and and just hang on to your your buyout money look i don't care how much money but butch jones made I, nobody wants to trade places with him because that guy is just miserable hey. i would rather no I, I would not i don't want to be him i i feel i feel like butch so it's actually kind of funny my my wife and I just uh, in the last couple of weeks we watched the whole um, OJ versus uh, was it OJ versus the people whatever the the FX fictionalized version of the OJ case. yeah yeah it, it gets to the end and OJ gets freed and the show ends on this really like sort of dark note where OJ realizes everybody everybody was happy about the verdict but they hate him. You know, because they were basically like, look, we 
we all know that you killed this lady, but we wanted this verdict that stuck it to the LAPD sort of thing. Yeah. And it's this real dark note where he he realizes like, oh, nobody likes me anymore. And I'm not like in the country club anymore. And I, everybody, like his whole life is falling apart just because of this. I feel like that, like that was Butch at, at the end of all that. Thankful he didn't, nobody had to die in that scenario. Like, OJ, but just how sad does is his life right now. I just, I mean, and do I feel b- bad for him? No, he was awful to everyone at Tennessee, it, specifically awful to the media. And I know nobody is weeping for the media ever, and you shouldn't. But I mean, the dude, the dude is a bad person. Okay. A bad person. And he alienated everyone and sent them away. And then eventually got his butt kicked out the door and had to go grovel to Nick Saban. Like what? A, it's just sad. It just is sad. Uh, and so it just, you just made me think of that. Like he's, he's basically just OJ realizing everybody hates him <laughs> after he leaves Tennessee. If he has that much self-awareness at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If he has any amount of introspection, which he probably doesn't. <laughs> so speaking of Butch though, what do, what do you think about LSU making that move to hire Butch's mentor, Brian Kelly? I think it could be, it'll it'll take one of two paths. I mean, we already said, you've got to be a bumbling idiot to win at LSU. So there's that. But I think it could be a thing where it's, it's a flash at first and he maybe has a couple of nice like 10 win seasons at the beginning and then it just like implodes. I or or it could, he could just be successful. I, it's kind of hard to say. I think he, any way it plays out, he's going to have a few successful years. I think at worst it's like a Jimbo where it's just like he's getting good recruits and kind of making it work but he's just not winning the West and he's not winning the SEC. I, I don't think that I see it just being a, just a blast off success. I, yeah, he's, he's not the second coming of Saban or anything like that. I, I just, it's weird. He did. Obviously he does not feel culturally. He went out there and faked a Southern accent. It was super weird. And uh, that's strange, but I mean, I think he's a good, he's a good coach. I mean, they've won one 10, 11 games almost every single year at Notre Dame. Like the, the ACC is not good, but it's not that bad, you know? Right. But, but, you know, does he win 10, 11 games a year at Mississippi State? That's kind of what I compare it to. Like, I mm. feel like he probably would have done about what Dan Mullen did at Mississippi State. So he's probably around that same level. But at, like, like we said, at LSU, that might be good enough to win a national championship. I think what could get him is like, even though Notre Dame is this this storied program, they don't really move the needle the way they did in the 90s. They don't move the needle the way SEC programs do, the way that Alabama and LSU, Tennessee and Florida and Georgia move the needle. He's a hard guy to work with. I mean, we, we've kind of seen nobody from Notre Dame is really going with him to LSU. I think there might be a couple of guys that end up going with him that have been with him for a long time, like back at like his Central Michigan days or something. Uh, but the offensive coordinator, you know, stuck around. Obviously, the defensive coordinator got the job at Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman, who was who was the Cincinnati defensive coordinator the year before last. And Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, staying with him in South Bend. So you've seen this this play out where these guys would rather stay at Notre Dame than go with Brian Kelly. And most of the time, you see guys 
follow the head coach, you know, uh, at least a few prominent guys. And that's, that's the way this stuff implodes in the SEC. Once, once the environment starts to get a little toxic, like we saw with the staff under Pruitt, like things kind of got with Dan Mullen, uh, like he'd even did with Ed Ogeron at LSU. That was kind of some of his undoing. He went, he went through massive staff changes because things just weren't working out after he tried to hire Bo Pelini and a few other guys. That could be the one thing I think that that runs him into trouble at LSU. I think I would agree. It just feels off for some reason. It's not a good fit, but you know, neither was Nick Saban, you know, whenever he went to LSU, I'm sure. That's true. Or, or even less miles. So sometimes fits overrated. But sometimes I mean you can't fake a southern accent in somebody's house and expect expect them to think you're genuine, right? <laughs> That was imba- that was really embarrassing. Really, I don't know what he was doing there. I, I saw some people say that, that it's they like were, Kevin oh, Spacey in House of Cards. That's that was my favorite. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, but I saw I saw somebody say like, "Oh, well, he's been around all those people in Louisiana for for twenty four hours for <laughs> one day, and you're just, my family or whatever he said." No. Oh, that was br- oh. Embarrassing. Like, come on! Like, I, I've, I've lived in below the Mason-Dixon line. The most, the furthest north I've ever lived is Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, but I've lived in Knoxville for twenty-eight uh, out of my thirty years, and I get like some people here think I'm like from the north. The way that I talk, I've never lived anywhere else. So, come on, come to get. Out. That's not no. That's not the case. <laughs> he was doing something there. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but it, hey, if it works for LSU, it works. That's between them and the Lord. I don't know <laughs> if they if they like it more power to him. We'll see how it plays out. Like I said, I think he will have some successful seasons and I could see it going like down in flames. Or, or maybe he's a success. I tough to say. We'll just have to see. I uh, who what other. A Brit Venables to Oklahoma is right, is right. I, I was like, there's one. one, there's one more we needed to discuss. Brit Venables to Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans are way more excited about that than I thought they would be. Maybe it's because it parallels like hiring Bob Stoops so much. I mean, Bob Stoops, maybe was, you know, defensive coordinator, first time, what hadn't been at Oklahoma or, or hadn't been there. I guess he came from Florida, right? Right after, is that who they hired him away from when he went to Oklahoma? I feel like he was the uh, the right. defensive coordinator at Florida in like 1998, and then went to Oklahoma. So it, it kind of parallels that, where it's that a great. long, long time defensive coordinator. You know, maybe he's got the proper experience. Everybody's kind of went after Venables in these last what since really 2012 ish. We've seen his name pop up in searches, and he's never taken the job. And so this is the the one where he finally says yes. I mean, how do you turn Oklahoma down? I guess you know, especially at this point in time of your career, it's it's now or never, right? But yeah, it's a so, it's super wild card. Maybe maybe he's like Ryan Day, and he just keeps it going, or like Lincoln Riley did with Stoops. So going back, the, this was kind of the. The ultimate point I, I was trying to make with Cristobal, actually, in, in Miami, but we got sidetracked talking about stuff. So there's really like two two ways you can go. You can go the way that Miami has, where they're like, we're going to spend however much we got to spend to get the guy that we want to get. Or you can be Notre Dame, 
and go, we got this guy already in house. We, this is a weird situation. We need this to be as stable as it can be. Let's hire from within promote what he was the D DC. Yeah. He yeah, was the, the defensive DC, right? coordinator. And they brought him up. I think oh, this is Oklahoma's in the middle. Oklahoma's kind of mm-hmm. like Tennessee with Hypel, although Brent Venable's never been a head coach. Um, so, or has he ever? No, no, no. Yeah, never been a head coach. He was at Oklahoma before when when Hypo was there. Oddly enough, I believe. Um, That's interesting. Uh, I mean, but, it, it, it just in some sense it feels like Oklahoma fans are kind of smiling through the pain a little bit, where they go like, "Well, our guy left." We've and, already determined the Oklahoma fans are a bit delusional, anyway. Oh yeah, uh, and the the way they took that whole thing was pretty funny because just think about their most recent history. I mean, what kind of adversity have they faced in the last mm, 25 years? Even before then, like it has been an incredibly stable, typically powerful program year in and year out for decades. Now they don't ever have any, any nonsense. The most is, Oh, Bob Stoops handed the program to Lincoln Riley and suddenly they get kicked in the nuts and the fans just flew off the rails. It was pretty funny to watch, but they like they were like name searching. You could I I just oh, said yeah. stuff. I just said stuff about Oklahoma on Twitter, and they would just find it and be like, "Listen, this is Oklahoma. Tennessee's not relevant. Oklahoma, Bubba. first of all, Oklahoma hasn't won a national championship since two thousand, so that's only two years removed from Tennessee's last national championship, also." Just because you win the Big 12 every year, which is a freaking candy league, uh, does not mean a heck of a whole lot to anybody in the SEC. I mean, they they just, they acted like people should feel bad for them or something. Like, no. Regular programs that aren't this stable rock that you've had for all of this time have problems. And we go through this crap every three years and you haven't had to do any of that. So you can just go cry in the corner. I don't. Like, there's no sympathy here. Nobody cares. I just, it was fun. Honestly, it was comical. It was funny to see their reaction. And now they're, like I said, it sort of feels like they're grinning through the pain where they're like, yes, we're very happy about Preventables. We definitely wanted a guy that's never been a head coach to come and coach in Oklahoma. That's definitely who we wanted. That just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they are truly happy about it. He is a, a, I don't know what you call him, a son of Oklahoma. He's worked there before. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe there's that, but it's not a big name. They didn't go out and do, do the Miami. They didn't go out and do the, uh, you know, the Texas A&M USC. with Jimbo. You USC, USC with, their with coach. Riley. <laughs> like they didn't do that. They it, it went and kind of got a middling coach. Yeah. They didn't really have a big list anyway. I mean, their, their initial list, I mean, I saw Sonny Dice who ended up at, who was already at TCU. I guess I'm sure he would have left there for, he would have Manny Diaz them and went to Oklahoma, I'm sure. But you know, I saw him on on one of the list and and Jeff Levy, the Ole Miss offensive coordinator that used to be Josh Heupel's offensive coordinator at UCF, who's also was a one time Oklahoma student assistant. Saw him on the list. It didn't seem like they ever wanted to go big, which is kind of strange. Them and Notre Dame both, neither one of them, really high profile jobs. You would think they'd be able to go get a big name. I thought Matt Campbell uh, at Iowa State or Luke Fickle uh, at Cincinnati would for sure be in the mix there, though Fickle is kind of different because he's in the playoff now, so he's going to be all in on that. 
but yeah, it was it was a very strange outcome to to those jobs being filled. Not not what I would have predicted. So this is just my my personal philosophy because I feel like this has bared itself out a few times over at this point. When you have a program like Oklahoma that is powerful with extremely passionate, avid fans that you know they they will sell out any bowl game you go to that they you know there's only a handful of programs that are like that thankfully Tennessee is one Clemson has become one they were not one they kind of are now with after everything that Dabo has done Alabama Tech you know Texas A&M is one LSU but it's not that many programs Oklahoma is really the only one in the big 12 outside of Texas and obviously Texas is in the dumper at the moment but they're they're the only perpetually successful one in in the Big Twelve, unless there's one I'm I'm not thinking of. I mean, they're just there aren't that many programs like that. I just feel like if you are a program that is in that position, and especially one that has been perpetually successful, like Oklahoma has, going small time with a coach is not a good idea to me. And not that Brent Venables is technically small time. He's won multiple national titles, and his defenses have been excellent at Clemson. There is no doubt about that. The, that defense was really good this year. Uh, he he has, and I think to a certain extent, he has pasted over some inadequacies on the offensive side of the ball for Clemson um, when they don't have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Uh, and so I, I just think you can get a guy that can come in and be a deer in headlights, and that's the risk that you run because... I think you really saw it with like Pruitt. He had never been there before. And he came in and he thought he was going to be Saban because we, well, we beat Tennessee every single year. Big whoopty freaking do. And that's not how this works. That's not how this works at all. And I think it can catch some guys off guard. If you don't have that kind of experience, if you haven't been there, if you haven't been Jimbo Fisher moving to Texas A&M, you know, he had been there, won a national title, seen a crazy fan base like that, experienced it, gone through it, gone through that ringer that it is to have a crazy, massive fan base breathing down your neck, wanting more from you than you are even able to give. Like, that's a pressure that you can't replicate as a defensive coordinator. You can't, you're not, he can be a great defensive coordinator. You are not the head coach. You are not the CEO. You are not the head of the, you are not the person that the responsibility always ultimately falls to. And I think you can really get caught off guard and just going straight from defensive coordinator, never been a head coach to head coach at Oklahoma. One of the top programs in all of America with a massive crazy fan base. Not sure that's the way that I would go personally, but also I look at the situation and I go, who would I have hired in this situation? I'm not totally sure. I mean, you throw 10 million at Lane Kiffin or something that might be the move. Yeah. And I'm not sure Lane, really is going to leave where he's at for Oklahoma and just... I don't think I Oklahoma think, would have been it. Yeah. No. I mean, I he'll leave eventually. He won't be at Ole Miss for, forever, but that wasn't the job. I will say this about Venables. Uh, a few years ago, probably during Tennessee's last coaching search, there was somebody I, I was friendly with, friends with, that uh, pretty pretty close to the Clemson program, knows Venables on, on somewhat decent level. And I'd asked them about, you know, why hadn't he been a head coach yet? And he he said, you know, he's just 
he just doesn't have the right mindset for it. He kind of understands that about himself. He's happy where he's at. Uh, he's not the front of the room leader, you know, face of the program type guy. That's just not what he wants to be. So I kind of thought maybe he would never do it. And I'm guessing that this, like, like I said, this opportunity was just too good to pass up because yeah, it's a lot of money. I mean, that's like we talked about being a fired college football coach. Obviously, I don't, I don't think he's going into that being the goal, but you're going to be okay financially. Your family's going to be okay. Uh, you're already making good money as a defensive coordinator. You go make five, six, seven million dollars a year, whatever Oklahoma's paying him. That's you know that that's set your family up for a long time type money, and that's hard to turn down. Agreed. Hey, money talks. At the end of the day, we'll we'll see how it goes. I just know if if I was an AD, I think that my philosophy would not be let's go hire a defensive coordinator who's never been a head coach because it is just a different ball game. Now, worked with Lincoln Riley. He was kind of a game manager type. I really, I mean, I think it bared itself out. Lincoln Riley just didn't want that smoke because he knew he was going to get, if he if he continued on the exact trajectory he was on, they were going to get into the SEC and get their butt kicked. And I think he probably saw the writing on the wall there um, and maybe moved. Because I, you know, he just, he never had a good defense. The offense, he, he was struggling to get that QB situation figured out. And he went, uh, I'm going to go to USC. I'm going to go live in Los Angeles. See if I can see how, how that goes. I'll go for my gold rush out in California, you know? Uh, and obviously he got a massive paycheck also, but I, I'm, I'm projecting onto Lincoln Riley there. That's just what it feels like. And so maybe Venables is the guy for the job. The money was enough. Good for him. I mean, you can, as a coach, you think about it, as long as you don't do what Pruitt did and, get yourself, you know, fired without any money, you're pretty much set for the next, if you're smart with your money, you know, don't, don't piss it all away. You're set up for the rest of your life. If you ever make it to be a a head coach of one of these major programs, I mean, you're good, good to go. So we'll see. That's just my philosophy. Were were there any other, I think we're, we're coming to closer. You got somewhere to be any other coaching hires. Uh, I will say, you know, we we could have one more big kind of disruptor in the coaching carousel with the Oregon job now being open. And I haven't really seen too many names thrown out there. I haven't haven't really kept up with the Oregon search because it's what, eight hours old, six hours old, a couple hours old, really. Um, what if Auburn, what if Brian Harson goes to Oregon, goes Ooh. back to the West Coast? That could That could really create some some more shockwaves through the coaching world. Oh. Uh, who would Auburn hire, man? I don't know. I just tweeted this out. I don't know. Cause I was, I was, as I was thinking about saying that I was, I Googled just a quick article just to see who, what names are out there. And the only article I clicked on was pretty much worthless. Cause it, it, it had Josh Heupel's name. on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and I, it had uh, Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell, Chip Kelly. Well that, Okay. So that I think that's interesting, I guess. If, if I think if Auburn put their mind to it, I think you could get a Dave Aranda, maybe. I don't know if he's if he is looking I think he's set up for a decent amount of long term. Yeah, I think and he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would just ditch Baylor after two years. I, I don't I don't think so either. And I think when, when Texas and he's done well. Yeah. When Texas and Oklahoma leave that league, Baylor 
I mean, are they not the preeminent? It's Baylor and Oklahoma State. Like they're going yeah, to sure. essentially run that league, whatever is left of it at that point. And so there, there is that. But I think if they really put their mind to it, they could probably get a big name. Uh, I got to think. But I just feel like they would still stick smaller. It's It's got to just be. I mean, Harson was off the map. I, I think they they would go with either a head coach of some team we're not thinking of or a coordinator somewhere. And But I don't even, there hasn't, has there been like the, oh, this coordinator is a hot name outside like Bill O'Brien just because. Uh, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy at Ole Miss yeah. is about, and, but he has a, he does not have a lot of experience that, that could be disastrous. This isn't like the NFL where you can hire a Matt LaFleur and it just pan out well. It's it's a different animal in in the NCAA and college football. You need someone with experience running a program. I mean, you're dealing with kids that are learning how to compete, learning how to take care of their business, learning how to manage their time. Not professional athletes that they know what to do. They know they got to go to work. They go to their meetings. They handle what they got to handle. They're pros. I mean, that's why they've made it to the NFL. You don't have that at the college level. You you have the roster, or not half the roster, but it, you're going to have some kids that don't even want to be there. They they just ended up there. They don't know how to go to class. I don't think it's a good situation for a young uh, young guy like Jeff Lebby or or a coach with not much experience to to be in. So I don't think that'd be a good idea for Auburn. I agree. I mean, it is it's a situation that I I think Auburn's kind of caught in a weird middle spot where realistically they need to make a big name hire. As I was saying, it can be completely overwhelming for someone without experience, but I don't know that they, I think they have the resources. I don't know that they have the will to hire somebody like that. I just don't do think you, they do. Do you think Harson will leave Auburn? Do you think he's he would actually supposedly leave? looking? He supposedly was in the mix in that Washington job. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I don't think. I mean, dude, you look, at, at that Oregon job, you got the entirety of Nike essentially mm-hmm. on your side. The headquarters is there, and the guy that created the place lives in Eugene. So, and is an Oregon fan. I mean, that's got to be so attractive as a coach, and especially he is, a, I believe, a Pacific Northwest guy or there. Yeah, well, I mean, he was at Boise State. I think most of his career had been spent in the western part of the country. Because I remember talking about how he has, kind of like Brian Kelly, no experience in, in the South at all. I think he might have spent one year at a school in Texas, maybe, or at Texas, and that was about it. He was the OC at Texas in 11 and 12. And then he was the head coach at Arkansas State for one season, which is kind of, when you're not Butch Jones, you're just, seems like everybody's only ever there for one year. Well, usually they go like twelve and one and end up at a better job. Butch exactly. went two and ten. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Butch! You finally someone came in and torpedoed that program. It's about time. Um, so, dude, that would be that would be a fun one. And let's wrap all of this talk up with just saying all of this craziness happened, and Tennessee was never involved. How nice is that? And I don't, I don't think Josh Heupel's going to go to Auburn if that comes open. He's not going to go to Oregon. So. Hey. The best thing was the height of the craziness last week when uh, Lincoln Riley's going to USC. LSU still hasn't hired a coach. Oklahoma now needs a coach. 
you still got the Miami rumors going on, and there's just a photo of, of Josh Heupel in a recruit's living room with a plate of food watching Monday night football or Thursday night football, whatever it was. That was fantastic. Not a care in the world, oh. just recruiting. and Refreshing. Yeah. Yes. Refreshing. Thank goodness. we Hey, we escaped one crazy coaching search. Now let's do a few more. Uh, yeah. you know let's let's go a few more coaching carousels at least without having to go through this nonsense um and with that said i think there's something to talk about with basketball I got memphis coming up but i don't know if it's that much i think talking about that memphis game in retrospect will be a little more interesting uh games in bridgestone this weekend and memphis has lost i believe three games in a row is kind of falling apart Pan- uh, fans want Penny fired. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, that's great. I think Tennessee maybe could put a nail in that coffin. That would be awesome. So uh, we'll talk about that in the next episode. Also, obviously talk about the bowl game and everything that's going to happen. And hopefully we we have some planning going on at the moment, but we could have a really fun setup coming for the bowl game game day between uh, myself, Jonathan Crompton, former Vols quarterback that I do a game day show with. Uh, Zach and everybody else at A to Z got some stuff in the works. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully some dominoes have to fall into place, but hopefully we'll have a, a fun, uh, event for that coming up. Also, forgive me if it ends up not happening. Like I said, I'm, I'm hedging my bets. Well, it's, it's not, it's not solidified yet. I'll put it that way. Um, but I'll tease it either way. Hopefully it does happen outside of that. I think that is it. I, I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. I didn't get my music ready. I feel, I've done this before. This is what a mistake. Might just, eh, let's just end the podcast. That's the end. We'll talk to y'all next week. Uh, wait, I, I didn't say it right. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. <laughs>